0: On the episode 63 of the Swamp Flex podcast. My name is Brandon Lede.
1: And I'm Brittany Lombos.
0: And we are recording at my house in 7th Ward, New Orleans. And this is the podcast version of the movie review website Swamp Flex. Brittany, it's been about a month since we talked on the microphone. Yeah. What have you been watching lately?
1: I've been watching like a rant, like a hodgepodge of movies. I had Amazon Prime for like a month. Because I needed to like watch, I wanted to watch some Sex in the City. So I got it for just one month. So then I'm like, I might as well like watch stuff I've been wanting to see. And I finally got to see Kreisha. Yeah. And that's from like 2016. I think, wasn't it on one of your list?
0: It might have been on my list of movies that year. I think so.
1: I remember you talking about it.
0: Yeah, the movie makes me like extremely nervous. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So I finally got to see it. And I've been wanting to see it. Because it has like a really cool background. Because the director, it's like his first film, his first full feature length movie that he comes out with. And it's his aunt, like Cresha is his aunt. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. And you could kind of tell, like, it has like a very homey feeling to it. Like, it feels very personal. I think
0: she's like playing another member of their family, too. So they're kind (laughs) of like going through this, like, fictional version of this actual fucked up thing that happened to them.
1: Right. I wonder what their Christmas was like that year. Like, their real Christmas. Yeah. So, yeah, I watched Cresha and... It's basically a movie that takes place on Thanksgiving. So there's not like a lot of insanity going on around it besides this like, you know, family meal, but it's a very insane movie. Um, basically, Krisha is this woman who's in her 60s and she's obviously like an ex-alcoholic drug user and she's making an appearance at Thanksgiving and she wants to cook for her family because she's sober. So, of course, some people are really excited that she's coming over and some people are kind of hesitant that she's coming over. And it all starts off like really lifetime movie-ish where she comes in and everything's fine and dandy and she's having good conversations in the backyard, smoking cigarettes with, you know, her brother-in-law. And then it just kind of turns into insanity where she kind of starts to see how her family has moved on without her as part of their lives, and she has a son that her sister raised because she was an addict, and she starts to see how, like, her son ha- wants nothing to do with her, and she kind of starts to fall apart. And it's really sad watching her fall apart, and she eventually goes to drinking. Like, she finds some... um. Like prescription drugs i think it's her kids her son's drugs and or his not drugs as in like you know math but like pills and she kind of takes them and she starts drinking alcohol she, yeah, she like sneaks
0: off with of a bottle of wine and yes. like downs the whole thing in one go <laughs>
1: and then she like pulls a turkey out of the oven but she's super fucked up so she drops it on the ground and then people start to realize well people as in her family they're like oh she's not sober So her sister basically tells her, like, you need to go in your room and you need to not come out. And then she comes out while they're all having dinner and she makes, like, a scene. And it's just, like, a mess. And I like it because the way I felt, like, I didn't feel like I was supposed to take her side. Um, I feel like a lot of movies like that, they really want us to sympathize with the main character. And I did sympathize, but not 100%.
0: Yeah, it's kind of weird cuz you're like following the movie through her eyes kind of, but she's just like this element of chaos. Yeah. And she every room she walks into, she raises the like tension like right. 5 degrees.
1: Yes. So I just it was just so I don't know. Like I, I feel like a lot of people could relate to what was happening. Like I feel I I have I have like an uncle who's like a super insane drug addict that would fuck up all our holidays when he'd come over. So I kind of like understood where they were coming from where it makes you look like an asshole if you don't want to like allow this person to come and enjoy the holidays with you but then they come and they like fuck everything up and kind of make you feel like shit
0: yeah so yeah like if you have like a family member that makes you feel like incredibly anxious and like tense just from being in their presence right? like this movie is extremely effective
1: and it was kind of like the relationship between her and her son where I felt bad for her because you can tell like she really wants to connect with him but it's sort of too late like he's already in his 20s and she's never been in her in his life so in his like looking through like his lens he's like why would I want her to be a part of my life now when she's done nothing for me and then she's like oh yeah I'll move wherever you want to go and I'll be a part of your life again
0: it's been a few years since I've seen it, but I think he's also played by Trey Edward Schultz, who directed the film. That could be. Which is nuts. I did not know that. Yeah. So it's like him and his aunt working through Whoa, this like real life up. like conflict. That's why it
1: felt so authentic. And
0: then he's got this like grandma who's like senile in the film and yeah. that's really hard to watch. Yeah,
1: where she like recognizes everyone except for Crisha. Yeah. And that kind of is part of her downward spiral into like the booze in the bedroom. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. It was very, very, um, like you were saying, like, it makes you very anxious when you're watching it. Cause you're like watching it through her eyes and just kind of like, it's like you want to stop her, but you can't.
0: Did you ever see his follow-up Uh, it comes at night. So it
1: was after I finished watching Cretia, <laughs> it was recommended as the next movie. And I did watch it. Yes. And it was that same anxious shit where I'm like, why is this guy torturing his audience? And trying to make us like puke from anxiety but yeah i did like that it comes at night movie. good
0: I, that one was a lot more controversial like even me and james had a huge disagreement on that movie really because like one of my favorites of, of that year
1: I re- yeah i remember you talking about it too yeah and I he was not it until, into like, it i liked <laughs> it i kind of loved like the build-up where it kind of shows you how like anxiety and fear can really like control us where that pretty much happens with that whole situation in that movie
0: it's, like, this very specific kind of anxiety that only, as the title says, like, comes at night. Like, yeah. you know, you can, like, stay busy during the day and keep your mind busy and your hands busy and, like, do all this work yeah, and just keep, like, your mind, like, above the things that are, like, making you dreadful. And then when you lay down and go to sleep and, like, finally close your eyes and there's no more distractions, then, like, all the things you're worrying about, like, flood your brain. Right. Like, that's what that movie feels like to me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really strong, but a bunch of people are pissed off because they were expecting this, like, kind of zombie monster movie.
1: Right. And I kind of like that where it's like, what was it? What was that shit that was, like, freaking them all out that or, you know, whatever, what killed the dog and threw it on the porch and all this kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, that was another good one.
0: Man, I think the last time I talked to you about that, I recommended it to you in your aunt's attic. Like, it was one of the first (laughs) things we recorded for the podcast. Yeah. 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 That was a while ago.
1: And I still didn't watch it until now, but I watched it. I'm glad you liked it. (laughs) I did like it. I enjoyed it. That was a very powerful night of movies. I think, well, and I watched um, Killing of the Sacred Deer, too. Uh, It was just kind of like a loop. And I was like, oh, God, I need to get out of this. And I did get out of it because i watched this movie called cook-off as (laughs) well you don't want to really watch it (laughs) but i am going to mention it so cook-off is a movie that was made in 2007 and it kind of just sat on the shelf until 2017 (laughs) so it took 10 years for it to get released and it was not received very well it's a mockumentary about cooking championships and it stars Melissa McCarthy.
0: Like TV shows, like Great British Breakoff kind of stuff. No, or? just
1: like real cooking. Like they, so that's what I thought it was gonna be about. Glad you mentioned that because I'm like, oh, is this gonna be like Master Chef mockumentary or some shit? But apparently, like, there's like legit cooking competitions that that occur, and it's a very um, competitive kind of sport, I guess. And this movie kind of makes fun of it. And I actually, like, I read an article from, um, oh, God, New York Post. And it talked about the director of the film. And the woman, who's the director, um, Catherine Michon, she participated in cooking competitions. And she thought, like, the whole scene surrounding it was so ridiculous that she decided to make this mockumentary. But she would compete in salad-making competitions. And she kept losing because she didn't have a gimmick. And she started to realize, like, you need a gimmick to win this shit. So she wore a bikini and set her salad on fire, and she won. (laughs) It's
0: like pro wrestling or something. It's like all pageantry (laughs) and no, like, cooking skills. (laughs) Exactly.
1: So she just kind of, like, thought, like, wow, this is really crazy. And, like, she just kind of talked about how, like, everyone had, like, some weird-ass gimmick. And a lot of it, it's, like, these dynasties. Like, my grandmother won this competition and my mother and my baba, and now it's my turn. So these people, like, dedicate their lives and they, like, prep, like, hardcore to, like, win these, like, shitty cooking competitions. And I think she saw the humor in it and decided to make a mockumentary about it. And it was funny, but it wasn't as funny as it could have been. And the cast was, like, it was full of, like, Funny people like Melissa McCarthy is Love in it, her. and she's fabulous. Um, so watching her make a casserole all stressed out is I'm very funny, laughing. yeah. <laughs> and some of the characters from Reno 911, Nisi,
0: uh, yeah. I always forget Niecy her Nash. name, Nisi Nash. Do you watch Claws? No, it's so fun, it
1: looks great. It's about a nail salon, right? Yeah,
0: it's got this like, it's just as like beautiful and just like cheap as a nail salon. Uh, it looks like a rainbow store like exploded and like picked uh, up a gun. It's so good. Nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I saw the preview for it and I saw she was like re- wearing like super cool tight leggings and like she looked amazing, so yeah. I'm into it. Um but yeah, she's in it and she's in a wheelchair and she plays a grandmother. Okay. And the uh, always Wendy Wendy something, she's the oh, blonde yeah. cop. She's so funny. Mm-hmm. She's in it and her and her sister are competing so that's kind of um the director throwing in the whole family dynamic of these cooking competitions but her sister is engaged to a guy who is like a closeted homosexual and her sister's kind of more like risque in the way she dresses and her character is very like she looks like a mormon and they're both like Make I mean, the food they make is so disgusting. Like, the competition is um, sponsored by, like, a company that's known for its, like, disgusting processed food. And everyone's making, like, chocolate pudding with candy bars and graham crackers smothered in marshmallows and, like, peanut butter ball. It's just everything looks,
0: like, so gross. Like, there's, like, 70s, like, food catalogs. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. Um... But yeah, it's it's funny. It's kind of like it's trying to be like best in show, but yeah, with I a cooking Yeah, I was thinking of Christopher
0: guest. Yeah. Did you see his most recent one about the mascots competition? I haven't. It's giving you're giving me similar. Is that, to that on Hulu? It's on I Netflix. It, I think. Okay. Yeah.
1: I feel like I thought that was like a real, or maybe there <laughs> is one that's about real mascots. Possibly. Or was not the. Ugh. I hate when I can't like tell like mockumentaries from like real documentaries. I guess that means they're doing
0: their job right. That happens
1: to me a lot. That happened with that Netflix show about the guy that put dicks on everything.
0: Oh, uh, I love that show. Mar- I kept, American Vandal. And
1: it was supposed to be like making a murder almost. Making a murderer. Well, I thought it was real. And I'm like, this is so <laughs> sad that this school would torture this poor child. And I'm like, Our, this, the education system is so <laughs> shitty. I was so mad. And then I found out it was a mockumentary. But this, you could tell it's a <laughs> mockumentary. <laughs> I think maybe because the famous people are. Melissa it.
0: McCarthy doesn't lose herself yeah. in the role.
1: <laughs> but she's very, I mean, she's funny in it. I think it's worth it to kind of see her couple of moments. But its it just isn't good. And you can kind of tell why it kind of sat there for 10 years and somebody eventually was like, oh, we'll give it a shot and throw it out there. And it didn't get received very well.
0: I tell you what, I'm going to watch this now. <laughs> like, yeah. I love that consistent style. Yeah. Like Drop Dead Gorgeous, one of the best movies ever made. Oh God, yeah. Really, you just need people to be funny. You don't really need like that much else for the movie to be okay. I
1: thought it was funny because I always think that like um, people cooking like gross food makes me laugh a lot. Like somebody making like a nasty casserole, and you could hear all the (laughs) those like food noises and the. Um, Tim Heidecker has a show where it's called (laughs) Tim's Kitchen Tips, and he just like I kind of remember that. He puts like. A bunch of pisman mustard in a bowl and like <laughs> stirs it until it flies all over the kitchen. Oh,
0: uh, it's so upsetting.
1: It's so funny, and it just is the noises. Like he makes like the boop, 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 boop. and the slop. That we talked about when we did the Adam Sandler episode, <laughs> how like the sloppy Joe lady and the nasty sloppy Joe sandwich is so fucking funny. Yeah, like what is it about nasty food? That's I think it's so like a
0: visceral reaction out of you, like like you like, squirm Ugh. a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I've been watching. What have, have you been
1: watching anything better?
0: <laughs> Actually, I'm glad you mentioned Carisha, because I was talking about it a lot um, in reference to one of the movies I saw recently, which was Eighth Grade, the Bo Burnham movie.
1: Oh, I was listening to, I think, like an NPR interview with him talking about that movie. I
0: heard that interview. It was all oh right. Oh, my
1: God. <laughs> yeah.
0: So he was like a YouTuber comedian guy.
1: I'm Bo, yo. I'm the greatest rapper ever, ever.
0: That is more Bo Burnham than I've ever heard in my life. Already, where it's
1: like, um, I shit so hard, I I leave a toilet bowl steaming. Like you don't remember that song? I uh,
0: honestly have never seen it was, a single one of his videos. I remember
1: that song was like the biggest like YouTube sensation. It was like towards like the end of high school for me, where everyone thought it was like so funny, and we would like sing it on the bus
0: and shit. This might be one of those like instances where the few years difference between us matters because i was like off to college oh, man you missed the, missed Burnham the Bo Burnham rap boat. song this is not like that stuff this is him sort of like making this drama about this young girl in her last week of eighth grade hmm. but she makes these youtube videos that are like tutorials for other kids so he's sort of commenting on the youtube culture and she's making these like videos about how to be confident how to be yourself and how to assert yourself in public and you know not care what other people think about you where like her life is the exact opposite of that she cares so much what everybody thinks of her and any attention on her just like crushes her spirit and it just like like cretia just triggers (laughs) all this anxiety in me that makes
1: me feel like i felt in eighth grade (laughs)
0: And it kind of how I feel now a little bit, you know, when you're in public and you just don't want attention and like, or someone like points out something about yourself and you just feel all the weight of it immediately.
1: There's something lately that has been making me sick to my stomach. Whenever I walk into like a grocery store and someone says, oh, nice to see you back again. And I'm like, oh, shut up. (laughs) Exactly. It makes me want to leave.
0: you like almost throw up a little bit. Yeah.
1: Where I'm like, I'm just going to go to the other grocery store. It's more expensive. So I don't have to see you.
0: Right. Why do people do that? I don't know. I cuz I think that people have different anxiety levels and they don't understand like mm-hmm. what they're doing to people when they say stuff like that. And I think this yeah. movie Eighth Grade is like a good litmus test too oh cuz some people watch it and they're like, "Oh, she's so awkward, it's cute." But me, the entire time I was watching it like a horror film. <laughs> and like nothing particularly bad happens in it. It's mm-hmm. not like there are there are a few scenes that could go worse than they did, but like on a like plot drama Scale, The stakes are sort of low and it's like her, like having to go to a pool party where she wasn't really invited. And oh she was kind my of God. Into going.
1: That would make me vomit.
0: It's like a never ending nightmare. And it's kind of like Crescia where like this woman's not really doing that much, that bad. And the worst that she could possibly do is ruin a meal. But like, it feels like this never ending nightmare where I want to like claw off my own skin and run out of the theater I really like this movie a lot, though. I think you should see it.
1: Okay. If you liked
0: that feeling from Carisha, like, Eighth Grade is a good follow-up.
1: I kind of like it when, even though it hurts to watch, where you can, like, connect emotionally with a movie like that, where I'm like, I understand her, even though it's, yeah, yes, yes. I need to see this.
0: Also, like, I don't know, from doing the blog and the podcast and stuff, I also feel anxiety about, like, these, like, videos that she's making, too, where it's, like, she has, I think, 12 views on each video she's posting. Oh, no. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> like, I keep putting out this bullshit into the internet void of, like, with no response. But I
1: feel like <laughs> if it's almost, like, nicer than, I don't know. There's something about, like, a video of somebody. Or, like, whenever you're going through, I do it a lot where I kind of, like, whenever we're talking about movies, like, for, you know, whether it's, like, a movie of the month or something, I like to look on YouTube and see like the people that do the video reviews those are so painful because there's like 10 views and it's always someone who like puts the camera under their chin and they're like so the special features are pretty
0: interesting and i'm like oh god but that's us Brittany.
1: I know. I think, I mean, that's why it hurts so we're just much. missing a camera i can't do a video ever no, no one could it. ever physically see me
0: oh man and yeah the movie just feels like that for like 80 minutes (laughs) but then at
1: the same time like i feel like it kind of it's almost like a diary where you can like express like things your thoughts you could express them out there and like i mean kind of like what we do every now and then like one person will like say something really cool or like enjoy a review or you know tim capella will comment on some (laughs) shit (laughs) whatever
0: and even when that doesn't happen, like, I feel like I remember the movies better and I'm, like, yeah. thinking about them more deeply. Or when people,
1: like, recommend, they're like, oh, like, I want to, like, watch a good movie. I'll, like, go in our reviews and, like, our, you know, episodes and be like, oh, I remember when we watched this and this was really fun. Right. And it's kind of, it keeps, like, a catalog for you.
0: Yeah, it's like a diary. Yes. But it is a diary that you're broadcasting, which is weird, right?
1: But what else would you do with it?
0: That's a good point. Like, I would be watching most of this bullshit anyway and just and not you could doing you share anything.
1: it with people who like to watch bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you never know who's going to come across it, and it'll change their movie choice for that day.
0: I guess I don't always feel the anxiety, but the movie brings up that exact feeling in me. It's like, oh, I feel this a lot. Like, I know... I recognize what that feels like, and it's not good.
1: <laughs> but I feel like it kind of helps... Well, this helps, like, my anxiety, because I'm very, like, nervous about shit, and I kind of feel like this pushes you to, like, go and do something you wouldn't normally do. Mm-hmm. So, I enjoy that, because I wouldn't do this if it wasn't for smart I think.
0: And I would... Seriously, just watch like whatever bullshit came across instead of being like, "Oh, this movie makes me want to go explore this subject deeper, yeah. see what this director's doing elsewhere, and yeah,
1: instead of just like Netflix binging with like Taco Bell, you're <laughs> actually doing something, <laughs> yeah,
0: and I saw one more coming of age movie um, in the Ooh, theater that was pretty good. I love these movies uh, called Skate Kitchen. Did you see the trailer skate
1: Kitchen? Yeah, no.
0: So, it's this sort of like mixture of documentary and fiction hmm. where there's this real life skating crew in New York City that's all femme. They're called the Skate Kitchen. Uh, and this lady whose debut film was a um, documentary called The Wolfpack a few years ago it was about these like sort of parentally abused shut ins who made movies in their like apartment in New York.
1: Oh my God. Yeah,
0: it's really bizarre. But that one sort of like mixed truth and fiction a little bit in this like fuzzy way. Mm-hmm. And this one commits to that practice a lot further where like it's a fully fictionalized story starring these like real life people as themselves. Hmm. Uh, And this girl is like got this overbearing parent and she's like bored in the suburbs and she likes to skateboard in her free time. And she notices in New York city, which is like a couple train stations away for her that there's this all women skate crew that she could, follow on Instagram and communicate with online. And she decides to start taking the train to the city, like behind her mom's back to go skate with these kids. And she gets sort of like assimilated into their world, like very quickly and becomes like a member of the crew and has her first like crush experience and bonds with these kids. And honestly, like the movie indulges a lot more in just the beautiful imagery of skateboarding in the first place. Like, it's just like, okay, we know that it's cool to watch people skateboard. Let's just do that for half the film. Mm-hmm. And then the other half, after she like meets them and her world gets expanded, there's not a lot more plot after that. It's just these like bonds and betrayals and like this sort of like emotional landscape of like someone coming of age and like gotcha. becoming an independent person on their own and like in the big city. And it's a really fun, beautiful movie.
1: This is deeper than the little skate bowls that they skateboard in.
0: skate bowls.
1: Or is that what they're called? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Like, a, like an empty <laughs> pool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know what they're called.
1: So is this like a modern day? Yeah. To, like, it's is it like not like some 41 skateboard days? It's current.
0: Like, the skate crew right. is like a real thing. Um, gotcha. And the kids play themselves. And a couple of them are like real, they're all like charming to watch. But a couple of them, are like real standout stars. Like, there's this comic relief character who's like so funny. Like, every line that she says is hilarious
1: i would like to watch this because like i was thinking about how the image of skateboarding has changed so much where like when i was in high school skateboarding was all like Paxson and those chunky etny shoes and everybody listened everybody watched like viva la bam and listened to like him and stuff when they would skateboard and like some 41 and Blink 182 and, like, now it's almost like this hip-hop culture within yeah, skateboarding. Yeah, when I worked with
0: Skateboarders of the Kitchen, they were all very um trap music. Yeah. Uh,
1: it's very cool how that kind of, like, keeps evolving. Like, it, go- it went from, like, hardcore punk to, like, kind of pop punk to this, like, cool, like, um oh, what's ta- that group Tyler the Creator was in? Yeah, Odd Future. They even had, like, their own, like, skateboard brand, I think, or something. Like, they were very prominent in, like, skateboard culture.
0: And I guess the movie's good for that kind of documentation, too, where, yeah. like, you know, it's a lot less macho, obviously. Yeah, very cool. And the videos have, you know, jumped from, like, VHS collections of, like, these, like, really long-form skate videos to these, like, very short Instagram clips where it's just, like, a 12-second video of someone, like, doing one trick. So I guess it's it's interesting in that way. Like, the only other skateboarding movie I could think of that I've seen that's, like, about skateboarding would be, like, Thrashin from the 80s. Oh, I
1: was thinking of Lords of Dogtown. Yeah,
0: okay, I've seen that one, too. Yeah. Uh, And this one is a little different than those, because I feel like those are, like, like kind of about the novelty of, like, skateboarding, like, being a movie. Right. And this one is, like, a really good coming-of-age story that just happens to have this, like, specific setting. But at the same time, the movie knows, like, how cool it is just to watch skateboarding at length. So it's like the story is really good independent of the skateboarding stuff, but at the same time, it's not, it has no shame in just like showing kids like doing their thing set to music for like a long period of time. What
1: kind of music is
0: it? There's like some trap music in there. There's some mm-hmm. like, actually that Junior Senior song. You remember that? Don't stop. Don't stop the beat. Can't stop. Oh, everybody. Yes. yeah. That song plays. Oh, but, cool. So there's a little pop and stuff like that, but there's actually this really good ambient score, too, that, like, kind of makes it sound more beautiful and, mm-hmm. like, transcendent. Uh, It's playing abroad. Really? Yeah. It's cool. not playing in a lot of cities. I think um, it's kind of slowly rolling out. And New Orleans was pretty early on the schedule, which is kind of rare. I've been, like, slacking on movie theater movies, but, like, I really want to see this,
1: so I might go. And I really want to see Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. So, like, maybe I'll make, like, a double movie day out of it
0: i'm way behind on new releases i yeah. went to see skate kitchen i mean i wanted to see it but it yeah. was also happened to be a movie pass and it felt like oh. a novelty that i could use movie pass yeah. yeah get those three movies in right exactly <laughs> well today we're gonna be talking about more like female oriented oh. yes. movies as well And we're kind of continuing something you and I did last episode that we did together.
1: Like, how far can this go?
0: Yeah. We're talking (laughs) about more ABBA movies. I I don't think there are many more. Like, I think this this might be the... uh,
1: It's like we went from, like, the Mamma Mias, and now we're, like, moving into the Australian ABBA sensation. I don't know.
0: Yeah. One of the first things I think about when I think about ABBA is Australia. So (laughs) it seemed like this was necessary... Even before I think of Mamma Mia, the musical, I think, like, oh, yeah, Australia loves ABBA. Yeah. Because that was, like, my first introduction to them was through these movies. Gotcha. And our movie of the minute is actually an Australian movie that has nothing to do with ABBA. So this is just as much an Australian movies episode as it is an ABBA episode. Yeah, very true. And all that's coming up to you right Right now. now. She tells them if they want it done proper, they've got to strip and be measured. Because it's a work of art made special for them and no one else. You see, Tilly, I do listen She tells them that they're all different Even though they're all the same Too fat, too skinny You'll be a sight for sore eyes Anyway Lo and behold, our genius here Does make them look different Less like themselves and more like they want to be Don't you? And now it's time for our movie of the minute Uh, This is where hosts of the show bounce back and forth Recommending films to each other And because we were talking about Australian movies For this episode I wanted to talk about something that was just outside my top 10 films for 2016. And i had only seen it in the theater that one time uh, that year. And it's something I think about all the time. (laughs) It's this movie called The Dressmaker. It's made by the husband and wife duo who also made Muriel's Wedding. And it's starring Kate Winslet. And she stars as the titular dressmaker. She opens the film getting off the bus in like 1950s Australia. And this like sort of... Enrico Morricone spaghetti Western music plays and she gets off the bus with her swing line sewing machine and it's like a gunfighter like arriving to town on a horse with his two pistols and the movie turns into this like weird revenge Western where she is both investigating this scandal she was involved with as a kid that was a mystery to her where she was labeled locally as a murderess. And she has to figure out whether or not she actually did commit a murder as a child because she can't remember. But she also wants to get her revenge on everybody who labeled her that way and chased her out of town and ruined her life. In the meantime, she is rehabilitating her mother who is senile and does not remember her. She's also fighting the urge to fall in love with this really hot man who lives across the way, li- played by Liam Hensworth, who is shirtless a lot in the film, and is like the eye candy. And also, she is destroying lives and empowering women around her using the same tool, which is couture. Uh, <laughs> she makes these really beautiful dresses for everyone in the town, so that it's this like sort of absurd image of this really small... Australian province in the middle of nowhere in the desert, but everyone's dressed up like it's a vanity fair cover shoot. Like it's all these really gorgeous costumes just wasted on this like small town where everybody knows each other. And they're kind of impressing each other to the point where everyone's on the same level. Like she like kind of raises all the women in the town to this like sort of gorgeous high fashion station way above where they were when she got there. And then from that high point, she tears them down one at a time, depending on how much they've wronged her in the past. This is your first time watching The Dressmaker, Brittany. Yeah, it is. What did you think about it?
1: I loved this movie so much. I love Kate Winslet. Like, I think she's probably one of the most like gorgeous women to ever exist, and she is just in like the most beautiful clothes. Like, just the costume in this film is like a reason to watch it.
0: It would kind of have to be, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It would be weird if, like, the dresses weren't that good in the film.
1: It's so, like, it's so Australian. Like, I feel like Australian movies and even, like, Australian television, like, there's this very particular sense of humor in them. And it's almost like it's not – I don't want to say it's similar to British humor, but I like to compare it to British humor because British humor is very, like, particular. And Australian humor is kind of very particular. This movie is so dark And very violent shit happens in it But it's done in a very comical way But not super comical To where it's like ridiculous It's just, it's funny It's
0: got like a minute-to-minute unpredictability to it Where like the tone swings all over the place And you don't know how a scene's gonna play out Like is it gonna be slapstick Or is someone gonna bleed to death on the floor
1: (laughs) And you don't know what you're gonna get And it's gonna be funny either way
0: you know what it reminds me of even more than like British humor, though, is like John Waters in the 90s, like cereal really? mom style yeah. humor.
1: For some reason, it reminded me of, I guess like I, I do see a cereal mom vibe to it, but I kind of thought about Chocolat a little bit when I was watching it, where it's just kind of like that very like old old world humor
0: are you aware that chocolate's gonna come up in conversation later what okay no this, this is great i'll bring i will bring up chocolate later today oh my <laughs> god i can't wait i love that movie so much that's funny
1: <laughs> but it reminded me it did remind me of that movie a lot and i it's hard for me to like put a word to a style i guess but it just has the same vibe um but yeah I, I liked it a lot. I did like how it got very gory and serious at times, but it still kept its like lightheartedness and its humor at the same time. I love Hugo Weaving
0: oh, he's so a lot. And
1: I, f- I feel like he's in every fucking Australian He'll movie. He'll come
0: back up later today. <laughs> yeah, <too>. totally.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, like it's I always forget that he's Elrond in The Hobbit. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, he's in he's a half elf. Just to throw that. and and that's um filmed in New Zealand. So look at that. Yeah, I was he trying just to never think if like uh, Kate Winslet
0: had ever been in another Australian film, I don't think and the so. only thing that came to me was Heavenly Creatures, which is New Zealand.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, Ooh, that's a good one. Because if
0: you look around online, a lot of the comments are from Australian people, yeah, being like, "Oh yeah, foreign actors always do terrible Australian accents, but Kate Winslet's really good at it. <laughs> she should
1: like, do more. She's so good. Like yeah. everyone, and I think Liam Hinsworth is Australian, mm-hmm. and that's something that's. That was really interesting to me because at first, like, I can't really tell him and the brother apart. So it's, like, Liam Hemsworth and Chris Hemsworth. And then I realized it was Liam Hemsworth. And he's the younger one. He's, like, my age. Yeah. So he's 28 now. So he was probably, like, 25?
0: Yeah, three or four years ago.
1: And she's in her 40s. So that was a very weird dynamic but what made it interesting is they made him
0: look so old and they
1: made her look so young
0: i think that's like a pretty it's like gender flipped right like because usually it's like the older guy right. yeah going after like a younger actress
1: but did you think it was meant for her to be like this older woman but i feel like they both they were seemed to, like they were the same age
0: i think maybe they were supposed to have grown up together because
1: he's like oh i remember this in school like he kind of uh, reminiscent about the same like time period
0: it's possible that she was supposed to be older than him, but not that much older. Yeah. Like, just a few she years. She looks fabulous. And she looks amazing in yeah. this movie.
1: So, I just thought that was kind of funny. I don't have a problem with it, though, because I think I it's great. Like I, I
0: think it, like, it has, like, a great way of objectifying him without it being, like, gross. Yeah. Like, like they, they didn't make it icky. They leer at his abs and stuff. Like, there's a scene where her and her mom <laughs> fit him for a new suit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And they both, like, really want to see him naked and, like, touch his body. And it's played to, like, this kind of humor. Like, it's not, like, a very, like, overly sexualized scene. It doesn't feel pervy. Yeah, it's, like, a joke.
1: It's just silly. But, yeah, I I loved... I don't know what made me trail off from, like, talking about Hugo Weaving. (laughs) But his character is my my favorite, I think. He's, like, this um, cross-dressing police officer. And I liked his story the best because he is the one that basically exiles tilly from the small town when she's a fucking kid that's accused of killing another kid which is so ridiculous like the whole the whole premise is very like dark and sad like it's about child murder yeah and it, it just it's so light but he's the one that exiles her from the small town because he gets threatened that his cross-dressing is going to be exposed so when she comes back and she's like it's kind of it's good that she left the small town because she became this like amazing designer and she wouldn't have if she wouldn't have left and she comes back and they kind of make a bond over couture and i really liked like how they connected over that and then he kind of makes up for what he did in the end and he wears a fabulous um bull like a outfit yeah, yeah it's amazing <laughs> so it
0: he's got of- a little thin john waters mustache <laughs> too which is a great <laughs> yeah, part of his costume.
1: So, yeah, I, I liked his character and how he came full circle. And I really liked how it, I almost felt like she was, she symbolized like karma for the entire town. Like, I know she, it's a revenge movie, um, but it's kind of like she, whenever the truth is revealed about her involvement in the death of this schoolboy, and it's almost like she's set free. And When that happens, it's kind of like when everyone gets punished, but like accidentally, like nothing, like she's not going around physically killing people, but it's just like people just die in these like very bizarre ways because it's almost like the karma of her realizing that she did nothing wrong is sort of unleashed.
0: Yeah. Like the worst thing she does really in a direct way is like set a fire. But Uh, it was so fabulous. Oh, it's great.
1: It's like, it's the most like luxurious fire or (laughs) fire setting, whatever.
0: But mostly like her revenge is enacted like through sewing these dresses and like in a political sort of pointed way, like choosing who to dress at one time, how to dress them, Mm -hmm. who to empower when through this couture and then through that maneuvering. Like, this, like, weird chess game she's playing, kind mm, of. Yeah. That's how she enacts all this revenge and, like, brings down all these evil people in this town. Uh, it's really amazing how it's, like, orchestrated. Yeah. And I think the movie gets a lot of flack for being messy. Because it does, really? like we said earlier, it jumps all over the place, like, tonally. Like, I gotcha. But at the same time, that vision of, like, how to bring down an entire town of people... Just by sewing beautiful dresses. That's pretty amazing to be able to tell that kind of story. It's it's kind of an abstract thought that the movie conveys pretty easily.
1: I just felt like that whole it kind of being all over the place, that's very like Australian. Like I feel like that's common in a lot of Australian movies where it's like it's dark, but then it's really funny and then it's kind of
0: deep and dramatic. Strictly ballroom.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, this, uh, style of movie I think is my favorite kind of movie though mm-hmm. like I've run into that a lot lately with like when we watched Suicide Club earlier this year oh yeah or um <laughs>
1: thanks for bringing that up
0: what's another one uh Sorry to Bother You recently like yeah. a lot of my favorite movies are movies that people just call messy and it's like yeah it is messy and it's people really don't fun. know what they're
1: talking about <laughs> Are you going to bring up Chocolat right now? No,
0: later. (laughs) Okay. Later. Okay, I'm waiting.
1: I'll
0: drop the Chocolat bomb on you at some point. I'm just
1: waiting. I'm so excited. (laughs) Uh,
0: How do you feel about Westerns in general? Because this movie follows like a Western pattern.
1: You know, I've never watched a Western. Like, okay, I have like a grandpa that's like obsessed with sci-fi and extraterrestrial life and westerns so every time like I visit I'm either watching ancient aliens and like hearing him ramble on about like how they're coming for us (laughs) or I'm watching um bonanza and it drives me nuts because it's like are those hides really authentic I think he's selling fake hides and then the whole thing is like a mystery about like this weird cowboys selling like fake cowhide and then it's like very dramatic like i i don't know if that's how all westerns are but it, they just seem very boring
0: i'm bored to death by them in okay general. cool and it's, i was
1: like am i gonna sound ignorant by saying like i don't want to watch them because they seem lame? i mean they're
0: just not our genre i think yeah. but this movie follows a pretty strict western pattern and Maybe is I'll like, like, like totally enticing i think it, it just has a different sensibility about it it's like but na- i bet you
1: like no other western has like cool dresses
0: yeah exactly so
1: i'm not gonna watch any of them
0: yeah <laughs> i mean a large part of this movies allure besides like the humor and like the mm-hmm. unpredictability of it is just how yeah. gorgeous the costuming is and i, I highly doubt you get that out of a Clint eastwood movie
1: ew yeah something <laughs> about like him with that cowboy hat and the guns is just so icky to me
0: it's very macho <laughs>
1: it just feels like it smells like a dead animal you know like it feels like a dead animal smells (laughs) that's what a western is like to me
0: and this movie's not afraid to be nasty in that way too like there's kind of a rot to this film too but it's also like very romantic and it's beautiful magical in a weird way too yes
1: it's like a fairy tale almost or cautionary tale don't lie
0: What's this? That, my darling, is my most treasured possession in the whole wide world.
1: But what is it?
0: Well, a few years ago, I went on a pilgrimage backstage to an Abba concert, hoping to grab an audience with Her Royal Highness Agnetha. Well, when I saw her ducking into the ladies' loo, naturally I followed her in. And after she'd finished her business, I ducked into the cubicle, only to find she'd left me a little gift sitting in the toilet bowl. What are you telling me? This is an ABBA turd? So I mentioned this earlier, but like when I think of ABBA, one of the first things that comes to mind to me is like the fact that Australians love ABBA. I did not understand why that thought came to my mind. And I think it's because of these movies. You I've sent about. me
1: this cool article about um, why Australians love ABBA. And it's not really answered, but it's cool how like, we're not the only people that think that that's an interesting thing. I think in the article, there's a song. I don't know the ABBA song, but it's about like a boomerang of love or something. And that was like one of the reasons that like maybe Australians like ABBA because they wrote a love song about a boomerang. But I don't know.
0: It's called What Made Australia the World's Most Feverish ABBA Fans. Yeah. And it's, uh was printed last year in the Sydney Morning Herald. <laughs> and the article is talking about this one tour that they did, I think, in 75. Uh, in Australia and it was two weeks of dates all around the country and it was bigger than Beatlemania there (laughs) they said that like more people watched the ABBA concert on TV from that tour than watched the moon landing in Australia (laughs) and for a good reason people would just come out in droves just to watch them arrive at like airports and like there was like a bomb scare at one of the shows And like you said, the article doesn't really have an answer to the question either. It's like kind of this thing that they're kind of embarrassed about. They're like, what made us so fucking crazy for this like Swedish pop group? And the band never returned to Australia after that. It was just this one tour and then they were done. Maybe they were a little like put off and scared by how intense the fandom was. That sounds
1: about right. Yeah. It's crazy because it's so interesting to me how like there are countries that have like weird obsessions with certain types of music like you have australia with abba and then you've got japan with the carpenters that is weird <laughs> it's you know it's just it's like you wouldn't think that it just it doesn't seem like a match but it is and it's kind of mysterious of how like i don't know i think like japan likes the carpenters because it's a very like simple clean cut style of music maybe that's why the australians like this
0: Actually, oh, no. that is mentioned in the first movie we talk about. The movie is actually documenting that exact tour in Australia. Mm-hmm. But it tries to turn it into this like fictionalized movie. Uh, it's called ABBA the Movie. <laughs> um, it's from 1977. and Okay, the basic plot of it is this DJ has like a country and western radio show. Already weird. And his boss is kind of clued into how popular this ABBA group seems to be. And sends him on a mission to get an interview with the band. And to sustain this like, paper-thin plot, the DJ has to struggle to get the interview. It's like a, the whole movie, he's trying to get the band on record. And because he's having a hard time getting them, he interviews a lot of people on the streets. Mm-hmm. To ask them like why they like ABBA, what they're doing at these concerts. It's kind of trying to get to the answer to the question we were asking earlier. Like, why is Australia so obsessed with ABBA? Like, the movie's right. asking that question, too. And one of the parents on the street, when he asked them like, "What do you like about ABBA?" It's like, "Oh, my kids like it, and I think it's okay because it's nice and clean." Oh, as opposed to (laughs) like other music, yeah. Uh, Which is interesting because like ABBA the movie came out in 1977, which is like the year that punk rock (laughs) became a thing, like where it had a name and like records were coming out finally, right, of this like nasty, grimy counterculture from New York City. And it's like this squeaky clean Swedish pop group could not be further from punk music, but it sounds amazing. But
1: I feel like their music is very poppy, but they have like a weird punk rock style. (laughs) Like they have very, um, their costumes like kind of push the envelope while being clean cut at the same time. Like very glam
0: rock. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I, I used to think of ABBA as a disco band and i think it's mostly cuz of dancing queen.
1: Dancing queen such a disco song and then they have like a lot of like space age style
0: like ziggy stardust costumes. I didn't realize like how much of a rock band they are. Those mm-hmm. that like ziggy stardust style is very much glam rock, mm-hmm. like stadium rock. Yeah. And then watching this movie a couple times cuz i reviewed it a couple years ago, i'm coming back to it. There's like scenes Of just ABBA performing where there's no lyrics and no, like, sung chorus. And it's just the musicians, like, rocking out.
1: And just some butt shaking.
0: It sounds great. (laughs) Yeah. And they're, like, actually going pretty hard on the instruments. And it's not, like, a dance song. It's, like, a rocking out number. Like, it's
1: interesting to see, like, it's not just a machine making the music. It's, like, musically talented individuals that are, like, putting their heart and soul into this. So that made me appreciate ABBA even more. I liked how this movie kind of felt like a like a live DVD <laughs> of a ABBA concert, which it pretty much was, minus a couple of parts.
0: Yeah, it seemed like they were kind of afraid of the word documentary. Mm-hmm. I think early on, the radio DJ's talking to his boss about this assignment to go interview the band. He's like, oh, so we're going to do like a radio documentary. And he's like, it's not a documentary, it's an event. <laughs> and it's kind of like them commenting on the movie, like, documentaries are for artsy-fartsy people. This is going to be like a concert event.
1: But you made a documentary that's super weird. Yeah. Like, I love the storyline, the kind of very short storyline with the DJ trying to get the interview. How at first he seems kind of like, oh, God, I have to go interview this pop group or whatever that I don't really care about because I don't really listen to them that much. And he slowly becomes like a super ABBA fan by the end. Where there's this this part where he goes, where they're, I think that's when they're playing like, money, money, money. <laughs> and he's like buying this merchandise, and he buys like a ABBA pillow shaped like a heart, and then he sleeps with it, and then he has like this, which is my favorite part of the whole thing, is the dream sequence, where he has this dream fantasy where he's best friends with them.
0: And they're kind of hitting on him too, right? Like he has this kind All of, of like a tois like thing with the two girls. With the two
1: girls, and the men are just like kind of. Hey. Yeah. Like it's, just, it's very it's very cool though.
0: That uh money 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 sequence is probably the most subversive thing in the movie cuz <laughs> this it's this kind of like anti-capitalistic song in a very soft way. Right. But it's ironic the imagery that's like juxtaposed with it cuz it's all this like ABBA merchandise that had flooded Australia like socks and beer mugs and But I wonder if and- it's
1: like ABBA didn't like that's just like street vendors trying to make a buck off of them so i feel like they were making a statement to where like we're not about the money we're about the space music
0: (laughs) and it's hard to know like what the director really wanted
1: to make a statement about in those sequences i think he just was doing the money 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 thing and trying to make a buck off of abba
0: okay well let's talk about the director for a second okay i don't know anything about him so the guy's name is lassie hellstrom which i'm 100% 100% mispronouncing. Hmm. Uh, he, he sounds like a dog. I think he might be a Swedish man. He conceived the plot to the film on the flight to Australia, <laughs> which you could tell. Because <laughs> this idea of this like radio DJ trying to interview a band and having a hard time about it. What if he not dreamt really up the, the film
1: while he was sleeping with a heart-shaped <laughs> ABBA pillow?
0: I have a feeling that's how that one sequence was dreamt up. He's <laughs> like, like, "I'll
1: make a scene about what just happened to me on the plane."
0: <laughs> so, listen to this guy's other credits. This is his first film out of the movie. He also made A Dog's Purpose. You remember oh, that movie? Yeah, From like a year or two ago. That had that weird animal rights abuse. Yeah, because uh, they accusation. like they threw a dog in a river and he got scared. He also made Cider House Rules.
1: What?
0: <laughs> he also made a little film called Shock a Lot. <laughs>
1: oh, this is our chocolat comes in. You're joking? No, he
0: made that movie.
1: The guy that made this crazy, shitty, beautiful film. Yeah, of the movie made chocolat.
0: And his newest film is coming out this December for Disney. It's that live action Nutcracker <gasps> movie.
1: I am freaking out for that. By I the want way. to see
0: it. You know what I really want to do? Like my dream for that movie. What? I want to do a double feature. In the theater with that and Suspiria, which is coming out sort of around the same time. Because oh, they're both ballet, like, right. kind of spooky movies. Both
1: ballet, but only one has mice.
0: Well, I don't know. I, I don't know what's in the new Suspiria. <laughs> Some rats. Like a ton of mice.
1: <laughs> oh, cool. Wow. That's crazy. His
0: career makes no sense to me at no. all. No. Yeah.
1: What a weirdo. But I love him for making chocolat.
0: <laughs> well, what do you think about this movie? Like, as a film, the Ab- ABBA the movie... I
1: thought it was really, like, fun and stupid. I liked it. I would probably own this, I think, and watch it, like, from time to time.
0: The used DVD copy is not that expensive. Really? I probably, sh- I've already seen it twice. I might as well buy it at this point. Buy it. On a conceptual level, it's, it's pretty clever. Like, this guy interviewing ABBA fans on the street and then reading about them in magazines and stuff, like.
1: Whoa, I just, I thought it just came to me. You know how you're talking about the Nutcracker and the ballet the ballerinas that are singing ring ring ring. Oh yeah! This guy has a thing for ballerinas.
0: <laughs> I don't. Th- I don't know if that's not tourist choice or not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to have one more example right. to be convinced. That's just
1: like <laughs> one example from '77, and then yeah. one example from 2018. <laughs>
0: they are 40 years apart. I'm
1: always trying to make connections with everything, but sometimes <laughs> some things just don't connect. Like that. Yeah,
0: you're right. But um, I, I I think the movie. Maybe, like, as a concert film, it's a little, like, muddled by this, like, stupid, very thin plot. But I think the plot is useful in a roundabout way because it's kind of documenting this, like, craze in Australia where everyone is fucking obsessed with this group and no (laughs) one has a reason why. Like, I don't know. I just like it. The songs are good. (laughs) They're pretty cool.
1: One thing I wanted to mention that like I immediately like took notice of it's those scenes where the camera just kind of glides over like this beautiful terrain to get to like the little Swedish island where Abba lives to the little shed where they like make their music. It's so ahead of its time, the way it's done, where I'm like, holy shit. Like, I felt like I was watching a movie made, like, now.
0: Because it looks like a drone camera doing it. Yes. Because it gets so close. And it's so
1: amazing. But then the rest of the movie is just, like, a weird documentary with live ABBA footage. It's it's just, it doesn't make sense. And maybe it's an Australian thing. (laughs) Just kind of all over the place.
0: You know what else doesn't make sense? Uh, Everyone's obsession with Agnetha's ass. Oh, she has like an award winning, butt that everyone keeps asking her about. And she's like, I don't know what the big deal about my own butt is, but I guess it's good that y'all well, like it.
1: Yeah, I know <laughs> that whole the scene where um they're playing like money, 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 and they're doing it live like she's turned around for half of it. Just like. Making like little snappy hands. Like she's doing a <laughs> salsa dance and like shaking her ass in this like really tight white jumpsuit and it's so
0: amazing. It's kind of like the Nicki Minaj of her day. <laughs> she is. But it's she like is
1: the Nicki Minaj. Also of her to, like day. this
0: incredibly flat butt. She just happens <laughs> to be in this like uh like white jumpsuit. She just that, like, has like she it. has like
1: flat like she she knows how to make her butt look very flattering, I mm-hmm. think.
0: The white jumpsuit works for her, for sure. <laughs>
1: Yes, it does. That's her signature look, I guess. I like that it it, sh- it really showed um, their musical talents and, like, you know, the raw footage of them, like, singing like or, like, practicing before they get on stage where it's, like, I guess, like, this is a time before auto-tune and, like, lip-syncing and everything, and they just, they kill it. Yeah, they're, they're really so talented. Good. Also, before I forget, like, I'm all over the place, just, like, Australian movies, apparently. That Eagle song at the end where it's like um a very trippy like space age music video where they like the members of ABBA like multiply and they go up in this elevator and there's just like crazy like psychedelic colors and shit so it's bizarre. insane and yeah. it comes out of nowhere
0: yeah it, the music like, videos are particularly like detached from reality yeah where yeah i totally get that this was conceived on an airplane to the country like so It seemed like everything weird. was kind of made on the fly, but if you're like if you're a huge ABBA fan, and, and why wouldn't you be? They're amazing. Like yeah. the movie has pretty much full length versions of any song you would want to hear performed live in concert,
1: even the B sides,
0: um, which was pretty cool. I think it's worth the watch. I'm not gonna like lie and say it's like this incredible slice of cinema, but it's a really interesting document of. Australia going absolutely crazy for ABBA. And it makes you want to dance. And the music's good. And it's just kind of this bizarre slapped-together mess of a film. Mm -hmm. And I, I find it very charming for that. It's great. There are two movies credited in that article in the Sydney Morning Herald as being like an ABBA revival for Australia. And they both came out in 1994. One of them feels like it's about a little kid at those concerts that grew up if you read the article they talk a lot about like politicians and tv and movie stars Nicole Kidman's one of the ones they mention were like little kids who were at that concert who grew up and later became famous like <laughs> have held on to that memory the star of Muriel's wedding uh, Muriel played by Tony Collette in oh. her early 20s feels like a kid who was obsessed with ABBA during that Australian tour. Right. And then grew up to have this like sad life where like the height of what she remembers being happy was like this moment as a little kid. Yeah. Uh, She has this like little girl's bedroom in her early (laughs) twenties that's just plastered with ABBA memorabilia. And it's the only thing that brings her joy in her miserable life. She
1: just like locks herself in a room and plays Dancing Queen on her cassette player.
0: And ugh. Yeah, the movie opens with her having like what I have to presume is one of the more emotionally traumatizing days in her life, or at least of recent memory. And <laughs> yes. the first thing she does when she's alone is she sits on her bed with this like sort of blank expression and hits the play button on the pink jukebox. Well, I think it Nancy kind Queen. of
1: speaks to that whole that whole thing from the Abba the movie where everyone's like it just makes you happy. Where I feel like Abba just makes her happy. And there's even like moments in the film where she's like. I haven't listened to ABBA because my life is just as good as an ABBA song. My
0: life's as good as Dancing Queen. Right.
1: So I don't have to listen to it anymore.
0: <laughs> Toni Collette is one of your favorite actors. She
1: is. Yeah.
0: She is almost unrecognizable in this movie.
1: I, I know. Like um, I, when the United States of Terror came out, so obsessed with it. And then like I never made the connection where I'm like, okay, like Connie and Carla, all these other movies she's been in. And I'm like, holy shit.
0: She's Muriel. Yeah, well, she's, like, in her early 20s, and she also gained 40 pounds in, like, less than two months for the role. And
1: she has, like, brown hair. Yeah. And, oh, I love her so much.
0: This is a movie about a small town woman.
1: (laughs) Porpoise Spit.
0: Porpoise Spit, which is a fictional (laughs) town. So gross. Probably the grossest name I've ever heard for a fictional town. She is sort of like weighed down by her awful family and her awful friends, her small community of awful people that she can't (laughs) get away from because they're all just like the whole world she knows besides her ABBA bedroom. Yeah. And then the movie is like her moving away from this to the big city and like finding her own independence and shedding these people. And then life continues to be shitty anyway. Well,
1: it's kind of like she gets rid of all the people and moves away, but then she becomes one of them. And it takes her a while to realize, like, what she's become before she becomes a good person. That's an interesting way to,
0: to say that, yeah. That's never, how it looked, because yeah.
1: it's like she gets away from it, finds her independence, goes back to it, and then she kind of makes amends, or attempts to, and then she kind of becomes herself in the end.
0: It's almost like a revenge film, like The Dressmaker, yeah. where she's trying to get revenge on these people, by, like, becoming like showing something them. they envy.
1: She makes a comment, too, where she's like, I'm just as good as... Th- I've, just, I've showed them that I'm just as good as they are. Right. And then I think after she says that, she kind of starts to realize,
0: like, oh, shit. Because what she wants and what she's told she can't have is to be a special person who is married. <laughs> and the beginning of the film is her catching this bouquet at a wedding and everyone telling her, like, you're wasting that. Or you're so selfish. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Poor thing.
0: Oh, it's horrible. (laughs) And I have to say, like, this movie makes me laugh louder than most movies because it makes me feel like such shit that when, like, the laughs come, it feels like such a much-needed, like, tension relief that, like, I howl like a madman. (laughs) It's like all that pressure gets, like, (sighs) taken
1: out in laughter.
0: It's like half 90s John Waters and, like, half, like, Todd Solons. She's very...
1: I think this was, like, sort of, like, that role she was made for. Her facial expressions, like, whenever she gets a job at, like, selling beauty products and she's telling, like, she base it's so, like, cringy because she, like, invites herself to hang out with people who don't want to be around her and she, like, follows them in a weird stalkery way just because, it, I don't know, it just makes her look, like, really desperate and you feel so sad for her. But there's that moment where she's like, I'm a beauty consultant. <laughs> she, like, sticks her tongue out and, like, makes this weird, cheesy smile.
0: <laughs> it's like she's faking being this, like, so fun, embarrassing. flirty, like, like just one interesting of the girls. person that she's not yet. Right. But later in the movie, she actually becomes yeah. that person. But, yeah, she's kind of, like, faking it before she actually gets there. And it's, like, really awkward. But it's so funny.
1: Her mom makes me cry so
0: much. It's oh, the most tragic so figure in all of this cinema.
1: Lady. <laughs> like, her kids are... Crazy and shitty. Like, Mariel, like, steals $12,000 from her family because they think she has a job, so her mom gives her a blank check, and then she steals their money, and her dad is, like, cheating on her mom, and then, so, like, basically, he blames the mom for, like, everything, and she's like, oh, yes, I guess it is my fault. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, my God, someone give this lady a hug, and it gets worse. Like... Oh, yeah. Mariel actually... Um, when she gets married to, like, the guy that's paying her to marry her, the swimmer. And the mom goes to the wedding and she's just, like, totally ignored. And then. I feel
0: like jumping off a bridge right now. I know. <laughs> and, then,
1: and then whenever Mariel, like, finds her scrapbook with all Mariel's, like, wedding clippings from the newspaper. And I'm like, and it's too late. Yeah. And I think, but I think Mariel needed, like, a a good kick in the ass like that. Because then she kind of. The goodness in her comes out. Well, she gets like a. After that unfortunate event.
0: She gets like a taste of power Mm -hmm. where she feels like everything from her old life needs to be burned and left behind. Yeah. Uh, And it it actually like comes through Abba too. Like, through the first part of the movie, she's almost like sleepwalking, like, sort of like dulled to emotion the way her mom is. Yeah. Where she's this quiet, like, pushover that sort of takes things and like doesn't assert herself in any way. And then she's performing this sort of like drag lip sync routine to Waterloo yes. with her new best friend. And during that performance, you see her light up. Like yeah. the first half of the performance, she has this dead look in her face and she's doing all the ABBA choreography to Waterloo, but her body's doing it, but her face has no reaction. And then halfway into the song, she like, gets so into this it. This huge smile overtakes her face. And like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the dressmaker where she gets her revenge just by being happy. Like as she gets happier in the song, the girls that were like shitty to her start falling apart and fighting each other even more. Right. Uh, and she like sort of succeeds her way into revenge. And those two movies were made by the same husband and wife duo as well. So Ooh. you kind of see like a weird little parallel yeah, there. Yeah,
1: no, you're totally right. That's, that's interesting. Um, But yeah, I do. I, I love that part of the song where she kind of like, you can see her like becoming her own and, And then Abba helps her, and then she lies under the stars and sings Fernando with her new best friend Uh, while drinking a bottle of Moet champagne.
0: Cece and I have been watching uh, Six Feet Under for the first time recently, and that uh, the lady who plays her best friend is Brenda on that show.
1: Oh, what's her name again? Uh, It's like uh, Rachel Griffith,
0: I think. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, She's really good.
1: I like her. She's so funny. My favorite part... Oh. uh... I always say that for everything, but one of my favorite parts (laughs) is whenever she initially meets Muriel on Hibiscus Island, and then she goes up to, like, the friends, and they're like, you can sit with us, like, trying to be like, oh, like, you're good enough to sit with us now, and she's like, take that drink and shove it up your ass.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm with Muriel.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) And that's probably the first time anyone's ever ever said that about Muriel, because, like, All she gets back home is people telling her she's fucking awful. Right especially from her sister who only says that one thing.
1: You're terrible, Meryl. You're
0: terrible, Meryl. That's the only thing (laughs) she says. Terrifying. The way she says it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Cause like her whole face doesn't move. (laughs) Except for her mouth.
0: I oddly identify with that girl. Like it's like, oh yeah, that's me as a kid, just like a mess. A useless mess was mean to everyone. Uh, I got to say, I've always liked this movie a lot. Mm -hmm. This recent rewatch, I'm like, oh yeah, this is one of the best movies ever made.
1: Yeah. Why do I not
0: talk about it that way more often? It's
1: fantastic. It's so funny where it's like, I feel like I identify with Mariel in some parts, especially like we all have like weird shit that we do. And her weird shit is like pretending to be married. And trying on wedding dresses. Oh, God. <laughs> and getting pictures taken because she tells the ladies her mom has cancer.
0: So incredibly sad. And,
1: like, collecting <laughs> photos of women in wedding dresses.
0: Like, there's a version of this where Muriel, instead of becoming a fully realized person who loves her best friend, like, becomes a serial killer. and just, like, murders everybody. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the um, the bridal killer or some shit. That, to me, is so funny. But it's like, you know, it, it just shows like everyone has like their weird little obsession that is quirky and that was (laughs) mario's
0: and you would think a movie with this title would be about her falling in love and like finding a man right but like the love she finds in the movie is in her like best friend in the big city right and the movie's more about their relationship and how they help each other like survive this awful town they're both from and become like independent people away from it yeah and it's so great the movie ends on this note of them like just saying fuck it yeah fuck it and fuck like everybody. taking off oh it feels so that good. was
1: it was a beautiful ending
0: and it's just a beautiful movie too like visually it's
1: so i love how whenever she has her wedding there's the scene like pans to like the sky and then it says mariel's wedding in pink <laughs> like right before the wedding starts that whole wedding scene is so cringy and so funny It's funny because everyone is like, what the fuck is happening? And this poor guy that's like marrying her for citizenship is like sweating the whole time, like, what the fuck is happening? And then in the church, I do, I do, I do, from ABBA, like starts booming (laughs) while she walks down the aisle. (laughs) And it's so, it's so perfect. Such a,
0: it's such a good movie. I don't think you could talk enough about how great it is. And it is an ABBA movie. A lot of the emotional beats are, like, based on yeah. ABBA songs. And like I said earlier, like, it feels like she was one of those ABBA kids.
1: I love the the dancing scene where it's like, oh, like how the um, there's, like, this wedding music that plays every time, like, Mariel's in a wedding dress. And it's, like,
0: dancing queen but played to, like, mm. a church tune. Did you see that movie um, High Rise a few years ago? No. It's like really bizarre, manic horror film that's like all in this one building where no one can find the urge to leave. Oh god, that sounds, and things like, like something involved. that would be vomit. It's so great. Uh, okay, but one of the creepiest things about it is Portishead does a version of SOS in the film, and Whoa. it's like the slowed down, creepy version of SOS. And I was thinking a lot about that during Muriel's wedding too. Gotcha.
1: Oh my god.
0: Well, a less abba centric movie is <laughs> the other movie that article credits as like being the resurgence. And it's actually the first movie I ever heard ABBA in was on the soundtrack to this film. It's called Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, also from 1994. And ABBA is actually, like, explicitly banned in this film for, like, 90% of it. And I think it's because Muriel is in her early 20s, right, in in the 90s. Other characters who are around her age grew up, like, with ABBA Mm -hmm. and, like, obsessive with ABBA as kids. But, like, older people who weren't, like, kids when that happened and weren't nostalgic for that are, like, kind of fed up over it and probably, like, annoyed, like, 20 years later that people are still talking about ABBA. Right. Uh, And that's the role that Terrence Stamp plays in this film. So Terrence Stamp is playing this, like, trans woman who used to do drag, like, decades ago Mm -hmm. and still kind of does it reluctantly for money and for convenience. But is surrounded by these, like, flamboyant cis men who still do it, like, for a living and are much younger and more energetic and is just, like, so over their shit. She will put up with a certain amount of that ridiculousness, but when it comes to ABBA, that's where she draws the line. (laughs) She's like, no more fucking ABBA. I'm so tired of hearing about ABBA. They're not a conversation piece. I will not listen to any of it. It's been banned.
1: (laughs) That's, like, the main rule for the tour bus. Or for the Priscilla, when they're on her, it's like no Abba,
0: no fucking Abba. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the bus that they travel on across the country on their way to a drag gig is called Priscilla, and that's the sort of framing device of the movie. Is that these three drag performers are gonna go to this like week long stint in a city, and they take this sort of like road trip to get there. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like small town resistance to so these drag queens like showing yeah. up in these like working class environments. Um, So there's a lot of drama about that. And Hugo Weaving plays the main drag queen. Yes. And he's going to meet his son for the first time, who he's Mm -hmm. been estranged from since he was born.
1: At the casino that his wife works at.
0: I think this was, like, one of my first introductions to drag, like, as an art form. Yeah. I'm thinking, like, this Rocky Horror Picture Show, uh, Tu Wong Fu. This
1: and Tu Wong Fu came out, like, around the same time, or in the early 90s
0: and maybe Hedwig a little later but like Mm -hmm. those are like the cornerstones of like how I understood what drag was and I yeah I think this movie opens with like a lip sync in a bar with that Charlene song I've been to paradise but I haven't been to me
1: never been to me (laughs) which is so funny because Charlene is an American singer and that song did insanely well in Australia and didn't
0: in the US that is bizarre yeah I appreciate, first off, that that's, like, when you go to a drag show now, like, that's Mm -hmm. still what, like, at least pageant drag looks like is that art form. And that's where the movie starts. And it gets a little more lyrical and weirder with what drag is. Like, by the end, it's, like, full-on fantasy where they're putting on these impossible shows with, like, these costume changes mid-performance that just could not possibly happen. Yeah. And I think that's what I latched onto as a kid was, like, the comedy and the pageantry of it. But like watching it now, it's like, oh, there's a lot of like serious drama in this film that I just like don't necessarily think about. Yeah. What is what's your like relationship with this movie?
1: I feel like I have like certain movies that I think like shape me as a person, and this I, I would say is one of them. Me too. I can still like recall like singing You've Saved the Best for Last in the shower, which is like in the end credits, the drag queens like lip singing it in the background. While, like, all the credits are rolling. And, like, I used to, like, totally, like, do my own, like, drag queen, like, shower performance to that um, amazing Vanessa Williams song. But I love how this is, like, my favorite kind of drag that's in this movie where it's just, it's glamorous and soulful.
0: That's very New Orleans, like, pageant drag, like, old-fashioned drag. It's so good. Yeah.
1: And what's so crazy, like, watching this, like... Considering, like, how far drag has come, like, I still think that the costumes that are in this movie are so ahead of, like, what we even have, like, in modern drag. Like, they're amazing.
0: That, uh, number towards the end, I think it's finally, that finally yes. It is happening. Yes, with the
1: the plastic blue wig, which is, like, it looks like Betty Spaghetti's hair. It's but then they fate. also
0: have the dinosaur, like, uh, lizard <laughs> like collars. the
1: frilled lizard spitting poison. Oh, my God. It's, it's so good. Are the, um... Which I think is one of the most heartwarming performances. Like, is the oh the bell bottom balloon kind of looking pants with the, the the feet are like flat and they're performing in the <laughs> desert with them. Oh yeah, it's
0: like almost like, uh, it's like clown pants. Clown
1: pants, they're fabulous. Um, that's my favorite performance. Is whenever so they keep like when they stop in these small towns, they keep getting shit, and the only people that don't give them shit are the people who are shit on the most.
0: It's the aboriginals. And yeah, yeah. The
1: aborigines in Australia are like very, um, kind of like how we shit on native Americans here. That's yeah. like pretty much it's the exact what they go through. Yeah. And they are so like supportive of these drag queens and they like let them perform and they even like chime in with their like instruments and stuff like
0: that. It's weird how that feels very wholesome and good, but uh-huh. the other racial politics of the film with the, uh, Asian wife of, uh,
1: The ping pong situation. Yeah, Bill
0: Hunter, who also played the dad of Muriel's Wedding. Yes, Uh, he plays this like Bill (laughs) sweetheart, like small town guy who is a drag enthusiast, Uh, (laughs) and he has this like Asian wife who's like crazy and he accidentally
1: like married her.
0: Yeah, it's that's not fun. Uh, That is not aged well. No, and maybe I guess you could say also like representation has moved on from this too, where I think these are three straight cis men playing trans and gay people maybe in 2010 there would be a lot more flack for that
1: it felt more authentic than Tu Wong Fu for sure yeah I think because to Wong Fu and I hate comparing it but I can't not compare it where they're very like they make like high-pitched voices and stuff and it just doesn't feel like authentic where I feel like these guys like really portrayed like what it's like to hang out with like they feel like real planes. people yeah like they're not like They don't like make a high pitched voice and act like very feminine. You know, that's just they're performers. Yeah, it
0: feels like in Tu Wang Fu, a little bit of the joke is like, oh, these three masculine performers who you're used to seeing in other movies, like, here they are as female impersonators. Right. Because in that movie, they're not even really doing drag for most of it. They're like undercover as women in the small town. Right. In this movie, it's more like a drama that just happens to be set in the drag community mm-hmm. and trying to f- show the full spectrum of that. Yeah. Like Hugo Weaving, Guy Pearce and Terrence Stamp, their characters are all very different and they show that a lot. Cause the biggest difference is between Terrence Stamp and Guy Pearce, the oldest queen and yes. the youngest one. Guy Pearce is this like young flamboyant character who wants to offend everybody and like get a rise out of people. Mm-hmm. Whereas Terrence Stamp, is like over it and just like wants to be alone and left to have this like comfortable life as a middle-aged woman and right. just like not even deal with the world. Anymore. He just wants to retire. <laughs> right.
1: That's how I felt like it's, you know, she's like retiring and he's just kind of getting started in the biz.
0: Yeah. And he intentionally offends her by like dead naming her. Yeah. And like referencing Calling Abba. Her like Ralph. Yeah. And
1: just trying to like piss her off and be like, I don't know, and there are. Sassy.
0: I could see how that performance would be the closest one to Tu Wong Fu, where people would be like, "Oh, it's a caricature of this like over-the-top flamboyant person." Mm-hmm. But even that feels more real. Like there are people like that that that's sort of like Bianca Del Rio style of like trying to get a rise out of people. Yeah,
1: just throwing shade until like they get pissed off. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, like I think that's why I liked it a lot. Their portrayals of drag queens. Um, I especially liked Hugo Weaving's character um, Tick because he has a very like interesting background where he like married a woman and she had a baby and one of the funniest scenes is whenever um they come out with the baby and they're like it's a boy and he's dressed as like a chandelier
0: and he's filling up the entire hospital <laughs> hallway because his like chandelier costume is just so massively wide. It's so funny did you see I posted a picture of Lady Bunny's wig today yeah. it's the biggest wig I've ever seen in my life It was like 40 pound wig she was should wearing. go with the chandelier <laughs> costume. yeah no it, the proportions exactly right
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's very funny um but it's it's like such a heartwarming movie and I think it if anything I help I think it helped the um LGBT community because it kind of the way that they portray these characters even though they are like straight men yeah in real life um, at least I believe so.
0: I think so. I'm not gonna lie and say I looked at each individual actor, I think they but are. I at least know in the case of Guy Pierce, like yeah, yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah.
1: But they did such a good job of like I don't know, like making it show like you know it's not just a bunch of guys who are like having sex every night and like dousing glitter. Like these people have like real families and real stories and real struggles and real li- lives and. I think that really helps. Because, I mean, obviously we know this, but, like, the rest of the world doesn't. And they view that culture in a totally different light. Especially in 1994. (laughs) It's a very progressive movie considering the time period.
0: And the way they differentiate between what drag is and, like, the spectrum of, like, what that, like, gender performance thing Mm -hmm. is. Where, like, it's an art form. It's not female impersonation. It's, like, this whole other level of performance. There is a scene where Guy Pierce tries to do like a female impersonation bit as a way to like stir up some chaos. It does
1: not work in his favor. No, it
0: doesn't, but it's portrayed as being entirely separate from drag. Uh it's yeah. like it's like this prank almost that he's pulling off.
1: Right. It's not like part of the routine.
0: Right. And whereas Terrence Stamp also is playing this trans woman and that's differentiated between what drag is as well. Right. Like it's pretty amazing how just in like three characters. They, like, cover this, like, full spectrum of, like...
1: Of, like, drag is not men wanting to be women. It's, right. It's, like, it's a performance It's art. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, I would say out of the three movies we talked about it for this main conversation, like, the classification as an ABBA movie is a little dubious for this one.
1: This one, I think, is, like, the weakest one, but it's still there.
0: It's a through line, right? Like, ABBA's banned from the bus, so even though they, like, don't talk about ABBA, like, the ABBA threat is, like, always <laughs> in the corner. And it
1: comes through...
0: And uh, most significantly, maybe, at first, it comes through in the story of the Abba turd. (laughs) Just the funniest fucking thing.
1: The Abba turd and the necklace.
0: So Guy Pierce, as a kid, uh, (laughs) snuck into an Abba concert and was trying to chase down uh, Agnetha. And uh, she left a turd in the toilet where he, ch- he like followed her into the bathroom <laughs> and he keeps it in a vial as a keepsake. So he's just this <laughs> little jar to Abba that he like walks around with.
1: <laughs> the Abba And then also like Tick's son like has a request where he's like, can you do Abba dad?
0: <laughs> and as <laughs> soon as they leave uh, Bernadette behind, uh, mm-hmm. she decides that she's not going to like join them on their way back home. Right. As soon as they pull off, They're playing ABBA as loud as possible out of the back of the van. And it just turns into this, like, uh, lip sync performance to Mamma Mia. Which is amazing. And you get one last, like, you little fuckers, like, look out of, like, Terrence Stamp (laughs) in the rear view as they drive away.
1: The ABBA threat. Yeah. Something I want to mention that I thought was, I didn't realize it until I watched it recently for the podcast. But whenever Adam goes into the video store and he's like, oh, do you have a copy of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Um, in the background, there's a poster for the movie Frauds, which is it's a 1993 movie by the director of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, uh, starring Phil Collins.
0: What we have to, I don't,
1: We have to watch it. Yeah. But um, it's been on like my list of like things to watch. And then I realize it's like literally right behind him when he's asking for the movie. So it's like this guy's like advertising his other movies in the movie. Smart. I love stuff like that. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's so funny. And you feel like that, like, Australian connection, like, like we said earlier, like, Bill Hunter was in Muriel's wedding yeah. the same year. He was also in Strictly Ballroom.
1: Yeah. It's like they're all, there's always, like, one person, like, no matter, like, what Australian movie I'll watch, yeah. there's, like, a continuing.
0: Hugo Weaving was in The Dressmaker. Hugo maker. Weaving's in fucking everything. Yeah. Kind of surprising Tony Colette's not in either of those movies she's working she on. She would have
1: been great. She would have been so good as um Tick's wife at oh, the yeah. hotel. yeah. <laughs>
0: I almost wish there was, like, a celebrity sighting in ABBA the movie, too. You know, like... Maybe oh, if there's... we
1: watch it, like, really, really
0: closely, right. we can see the childhood version of Nicole Kidman in the crowd. Maybe, you're like, people are a little too embarrassed to, like, out themselves of as being, like, <laughs> I don't know.
1: Maybe they'll make another ABBA movie where they track down everyone.
0: Ooh, can I tell you something I discovered tonight? Sure. There is... You know, it's titled ABBA the movie? Mm-hmm. There is a place in Stockholm called ABBA the museum. What? And it's got, like, all their artifacts, like all their costumes from, like, the Waterloo video, like, up on these, like, fashion gallery stands. Uh, They have a store you can look at online, and it's got all these beautiful, like, original print T-shirts with, like, ABBA logos on them. Can you buy them? Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. We <laughs> should, should we go to this ABBA museum more. sometime. I don't know. Uh, Whenever
1: like Swamflicks makes it big and we like get all this money, we'll do a trip to Stockholm.
0: They also have a uh, like Mamma Mia line of clothing too, because <laughs> I guess they have like merchandising rights for that. which is pretty amazing.
1: I wonder if like ABBA is still as bumping in some cultures with like the new generation as it was then.
0: I mean, I think the uh, the Mamma Mia movies. At least has theater yeah. kids interested because, you know, those touring versions of the Broadway play still go around the country. And
1: people go ape shit. Yeah. It just made me think of it because whenever I was younger, they had that ABBA group, the 18s, where oh, it was like yeah. the teenage version of ABBA and they were a cover band and they made all these hip versions of ABBA songs along with their original hit Upside Down.
0: And Ace of Bass was kind of like the ABBA of our time as well.
1: I guess so. The Swedish pop group. Ace of Bass was kind of like, I think I was probably like about 10 or younger when they were big. And then like, no, I was younger than 10. You were way younger than 10. 18s was my Ace of Bass. Okay. I think
0: Ace of Bass was my (laughs) ABBA. It's kind of funny how, like, a four-year difference does it's does not a... seem... How old are you right now? 28. Yeah, we're four years apart. Yeah. So, like, right now that does not seem like a big deal at all, but, like, when you're a kid, that's, like, a whole, like, cycle of, like, pop culture. Yeah,
1: and like, I feel like when you're from ages, like, six to, like, 16, there's so much shit that, like, one right. year makes a huge difference in, like, what you listen to or what you do or what's cool and not.
0: I honestly had no idea who Burr Burnham was until he plays this, like, asshole comic... I don't even know if he's supposed to be an asshole, but I hated him. In that movie, The Big Sick, last year. Oh. And I was like, oh, that guy directed a movie. I didn't realize <laughs> he had this whole, like, YouTube uh YouTube fame. Past. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He was like, now it's sort of like that's, which I don't understand now. Like, all these people who are, like, stupid famous just for being on YouTube. Like, making their own oh, videos. Oh, that's like celebrities to little it's kids. It's very crazy. Yeah. I just, it's Or, it's like, crazy. even
0: lower on the rung, like, Twitch stars. It's Twitch. It's, like, uh, live streaming for video games. Oh, I hate that shit. But, yeah, there's, like, celebrities on there where, like, kids are a lot more likely to watch someone live stream themselves playing, like, Call of Duty than they are to watch, like, a TV show. Oh,
1: my God. What if movies die out because
0: this stupid crap hey man i'll be older, dead at the time so i'll have no input <laughs> it's not <laughs> be my on place your deathbed like keep your twitch kids yeah i'll give a fuck <laughs> i'll watch my old uh <laughs> my, my ancient old, dvds <laughs> my ancient
1: dvd of priscilla queen of the desert
0: i did order that on blu-ray that's, immediately after watching it that's
1: something yeah like i like i was telling you earlier i have it on vhs and my vhs player like Died, so I'm like, well, I guess now is the push I need it's to buy it to on update. Blu-ray, yeah. which I'm pretty sure there's some really
0: cool features. We also ordered Muriel's Wedding. This was a really great crop of films. I'll just I, say, like,
1: I feel like I love Australian movies.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there's a bunch of crap too. Like these are the ones that like have it's made probably it
1: probably good. You know we're gonna like it. Yeah, there's like even Australian television. Like there's this show called like Kim and Kath that I recently started watching, and it's about a woman who is separated from her husband because he cheated on her by sleeping with two sisters. <laughs> she moves back in with her mom who was like stuck in the 80s and it's the funniest shit ever. Yeah, I've never heard and of it's, that. And it's it's, <laughs> it's like the same vibe as like if Mariel's Wedding was like a um series, a TV series. Mm-hmm. Like it has that same like weird style of like humor.
0: I gotta say that was the biggest like uptick to me. Like I knew that I liked all three of these movies. Mm-hmm. But it's been a good while since I've seen Muriel's Wedding. And that one to me was like, oh, yeah, this is like one of the best movies ever. I'm pretty confident saying that on this revisit. I like,
1: Because I've always put it in like my top five where. I
0: would do that now, I think.
1: It's really hard to like make because there's so many good movies. And like sometimes I'll forget about a movie and I'll be like, oh, that is really good. Maybe that'll be up there. But I just think, like, movies that I can watch, like, if, if I had to give up every movie and I had to keep three and watch them for the rest of my life, it would be, of course, The Wedding Singer, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, and probably Muriel's Wedding. <laughs> and I'd be okay. I don't care about anything
0: else. It at least sounds like a joyful experience overall. A lot of fun. Even though Muriel's Wedding will, like, crush your heart every <laughs> a couple of beats. I oh,
1: know. I know. I just keep seeing her mom's Face when she puts the teacup in the microwave.
0: Well, let me ask you this then because the last two episodes we've done two different categories of ABBA movies, Mm -hmm. and I feel like they might represent the significant majority of ABBA movies. ABBA cinema would be like these two different categories the Mamma Mia films and the Australian ABBA movies. What do you value more? (laughs) What's like a better crop of movies?
1: The Australian ABBA movies.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because I, kind I of think agree. those
1: feel more authentically ABBA, where Mama Mia is kind of like a movie on its own that just kind of features the songs, but I feel like these movies give more meaning to the songs.
0: There's like a rich history, at least not, if not only with that like 70s tour, of like something really significant happened with that band in that country. Mm-hmm. It's sort of informing the texture. We're like, you could watch Miro's wedding, you're like, oh, this lady's obsessed with ABBA, that's kind of fun and weird. But, like, mm-hmm. once you realize, like, oh, there's, like, a 20 years in the making, like, history behind that, like, it makes it even right. more interesting. Yeah. Where, like, Mamma Mia is interesting because it's so fucking nuts and it's not attached <laughs> to anything. Like, it right. just feels like this weird fever dream.
1: Like, I feel like there's more soul behind uh, Muriel and her liberating friend.
0: I just call her Brenda because that's her name when Six Feet Under. Brenda sure perfo- <laughs> their Waterloo performance
1: has 10 times more soul than the, any performance in Mamma Mia you know what I mean like there's more True. more um spirit in it where yeah and more meaning
0: but if mirror if uh Meryl Streep happened to be in either of these films I wouldn't have complained oh, what if shit. So Could you picture, Meryl- <laughs> oh my god what if
1: Meryl Streep was like the um mother in Muriel's wedding
0: Maybe we need a Meryl's wedding mashup
1: A Meryl's,
0: Meryl's, Meryl's wedding. She does rename herself Meryl at some point, so it's almost working. It's way towards that.
1: Yeah, and she just eventually becomes Meryl, and that's (laughs) how Meryl Streep was made.
0: Yeah, this is the crossover film that needs to be written for an audience of three. (laughs) 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 You, me, and Tony Collette. Oh Uh, oh
1: my God, we should do like a Tony Collette appreciation episode
0: that's our only way to go from here honestly because isn't
1: connie connie and carla is like a drag queen movie with her never seen it i saw it a long long time ago i think it's like drag queen related was that from it's her and nia nia Verd- um, i was about
0: to ask if it was the lady who did my, my big, big fat, fat greek, greek wedding, wedding. <gasps> okay I remember, oh remember.
1: greek whoa i
0: remember reading about that but <laughs> all I never the saw
1: connections it. but that one's like she's done some really good stuff
0: I think more Tony Collette movies are our only way to go because I think we've tapped out on ABBA movies. Yeah. I think we're done. Ooh, but- and then we can
1: watch Hereditary. Again, I can watch it again because <laughs> I've seen it four times.
0: Oh, my God. It's
1: coming out on DVD and I can't wait.
0: I will watch that before the year's over again.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, I keep telling everyone where I'm like, oh, I'm going to get the DVD and I'll bring it over and we'll watch it together. Like, I want to be there with people when they watch it. And then I'm that annoying person that like stares at someone's face. And I'm like, yeah, isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? Where I got ruined the movie for people because I'm like, tell me how you're feeling at this part.
0: That would be a pretty major whiplash if you watch this. And if you watch Muriel's Wedding and Hereditary back to back. (laughs) Because that transformation of like how she looks in that film and how she looks now is like so different.
1: I need to. I would need a sick day from work to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of emotional. Uh,
1: <laughs> I'm getting emotional thinking about yeah. <laughs> it right now. I don't want to think about it. Uh, I do like that she's. Um, I don't know. It makes me feel better about myself seeing like her Tony Collette chubby and like rocking it. <laughs> it's just very inspirational to uh, me. Yeah,
0: when she's wearing that like white. Agne, Agnetha. <laughs> yes, uh, she jumpsuit. looks amazing in it. She's a full bodied woman and yes. she is making it work. Yeah. <laughs> but now she's like real thin. <laughs> right. That's just how she is naturally. Like she gained weight to, mm-hmm. to pull that off.
1: Yeah. She's so great.
0: We'll probably come back with a Tony Collette episode. Yes. We definitely will not do another AB episode anytime soon. Unless I would we t- find more it stuff. It would take some deep digging, I think, to come up with another AB topic, but it might yeah. happen. They're worth the effort.
1: Yes. 100%. <laughs> cool
0: and uh we'll see y'all in a couple weeks okay. uh check out daily reviews and things like this episode on swampflex.com <laughs> bye everybody bye, bye.